Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Glad to be all together as a church. We have both services uh, here together. I hope uh, everyone from the evening service got the word uh, that was able to come and made it, and made it here. I've been looking forward to being with you. We have a, a marvelous set of passages uh, today. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Psalms uh, several times. It's been a very rich uh, study of, of, of the Psalms. And um, I'll be concentrating on Psalm 66 during our time. But I would also like to make some comments on the Psalms as a whole. And, um, and specifically, I want to talk about how we use the Psalms, and even more specifically, how we do things uh, here at Church of the Cross. I'm going to range over a lot of territory today. I, I think it will hold together, but, but it may hold together like an Swiss Army knife holds together. You know, it's, it's kind of one thing, sort of, but there's all these different aspects to it. So it may not be as, uh, as elegant as a samurai sword, but hopefully it will, it, will, it will get the job done. When I was a kid, I really enjoyed uh, looking at the, at the uh, places, the display cases where they had uh, Swiss Army knives, and I'd stand there looking at all those tools and the different variations that they had until my uh, father came and you know, pulled me away. Um, now, you know, uh, 45 minutes or so and I'm, I'm, I'm good, I can, I can go home. But um, it, it's really enjoyable. But if you look at, if you look at the, the different tools there, you've got a, a very crude sort of corkscrew, right? You've got a, a crude sort of can opener and a crude spoon or spork or, you know, whatever, whatever it's supposed to be. Well, this morning, I, I hope that as we pop around over different things, it will be useful to you in that way. Uh, if my corkscrew can open up this gorgeous bottle of wine in the Psalms, it uh, doesn't have to be elegant in how it's, it's done. If, if the can opener I give you this morning gets you into a beautiful tin of foie gras, then, then I'll be happy. So uh, that's, that's what it's about this morning, and hopefully it will, it will come together. And the point is, is to open the Psalms for you. So you can call it uh, Kelly's Swiss Army Knife to opening the Psalms if you want to. Uh, to start off today, I'd like to think with, with you a little bit about the structure, first of all, of our service. You know, we start standing. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that. And, and yes, standing actually is the default position of, of worship. You may not, not be aware of that, not sitting, or, uh, but rather standing. And, and as the Lord condescends to come with us and we listen to Scripture and he, he teaches us through the Word, then we sit and, and we sit through as we're listening to Scripture. Um, but really, it is about standing before our Lord in, in His great magnificence. So the service starts with us standing. As He enters, if you will, into the assembly as our King, He processes in and takes His seat enthroned uh, among us. And this is actually... Uh, a little bit more visible in those uh, high holy seasons here at Church of the Cross when we actually process in with the cross because the cross then represents Christ himself who then comes and deigns to be enthroned before us uh, and, to, and to receive the praises of his people. So after he, he does that uh, and we, we can get ourselves clean through confession, uh, we then read the Psalms, standing. Now, just a minute ago when we read the other verses, the other parts of Scripture, we were sitting. Why, why standing for the Psalms? Well, uh, the Psalms are what leads into our, song, uh, our time of singing, you may have noticed, 
here. And, and the reason we stand is because the Psalms are songs. They are songs. And it, and it naturally leads into, into that uh, next worship time that we have in, in singing. And that leads me to the first and, and maybe the most important thing I want to say to you today. That is that the Psalms are for praying. Psalms are for praying. God gave us the Psalms to pray. They're, they're prayers that he wants us to pray back to him. They're intended for actual prayers. The Psalms are for praying. And that doesn't mean we, we don't study them, obviously, do we? We do. We read them. We, we, we dive into them in the ways that we uh, have done over several weeks, and we're going to do today as well. Um, but above all, the Psalms are for praying, and better yet, for singing. The Psalms are for praying, and better yet, for singing. And so we pray them back to the Lord, we sing them back to the Lord in order to fulfill actually his design for the Psalms. The Psalms are the first and only hymn book of God's people that has the unqualified authority of God's word. They were composed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and recognized by his people as God's word. And so they take preeminence over any other prayer book or hymn book that we have in the church. Why? What's the purpose? What's God want us to actually, uh, why does God want us to literally sing or say these psalms back to him? To begin to answer that, I want to step back again and say even more about our our Anglican tradition as a way of introduction to, to answer that question. And to, it's not just the Anglican tradition, but uh, all those that follow the same ancient ways. Now, Anglicans hold to the authority of, of God's word, and we try to identify those things uh, that are absolutely essential. And we, we hold to those things, assiduously those things that have always been accepted and practiced by the church uh, from, from the beginning. The great creeds, especially the Nicene Creed, which we'll, we'll say later, uh, and uh, we say them together, the Apostles' Creed, which we can say in smaller groups or, or by ourselves. Uh, and then we don't have a lot of extra doctrine. We, we have the 39 articles. If you dig hard, you can find those at the back of, the, of, the, of a prayer book, and they're, they're very solid. But there's not a, there's not a lot of, of, of great detail there. So what is it that, that holds uh, Anglicans together? We have a tremendous amount of variety, actually, within Anglicanism. John Wesley, for example, took one position as concerns uh, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And J.I. Packer, you know, hundreds of years later, takes a very different position. And, and that's all Anglicanism. At Christ the Redeemer up the, up the road here, where I was uh, first ordained and, and practiced, uh, very high church, very uh, liturgical, much more than, than we um, as they say, smells and bells, capes and drapes, they, they, they like it all up there. And I, and I like it too. Here at Church of the Cross, we have a very minimalist, kind of uh, concentrated version, and I really appreciate that and what we're trying to do there. We wear the collar, may put the sto- usually try and put the stole on, at least when we're serving communion. Not, not too much apart from that. So you have high church and you have low church. You have a, a, a tremendous variety all over the world. Um, what is it then that holds us together as Anglicans. Well, what makes us Anglicans is our, lur- our liturgy. Our liturgy. And liturgy, specifically meaning what we pray together. 
It's the prayers that we pray together here that more than anything else uh, holds us together. Our theology is in our prayers. It's not in our detailed doctrinal statements because, as I said, there, there, are, there are not many. It's our prayers, our liturgy. You may have noticed that we say the same prayers around here with a lot of regularity, but there's also a, a mix of other prayers. They're still written prayers. They're still formulated prayers, but they vary according to season and even from Sunday to Sunday. And some of our, our prayers are thousands of years old. Some are more recent. Our best minds within the Anglican Church have, have concentrated their, their work on the composition of prayers. And even today, our at present within the ACNA, working very diligently, some of our best thinkers on putting these prayers together. Why? What's the point? Why the emphasis on, on praying these written prayers? Well, the second thing that I want to say to you today is that prayer shapes believing. Prayer shapes believing. Now, in most contexts, spiritual formation takes, is, a, is a multi-step process. It usually goes something like this. Here's what you should believe. Here's how you put that into practice, what, what we should believe, how you put it into practice. Step two. And maybe even a step three, which is actually putting into practice what we said we should put into practice here, which was from the principle that we started with here. And that's a good and biblical report, uh, approach, and it's actually what I'm doing right now. Uh, although we'll do something a little bit different later. But all three of those things can be integrated together in one step. And that step is this. Let's pray this. Let's pray this. By praying godly prayers formulated by those who have gone before us, we're affirming the truth. We are willing the truth if we put ourselves into it. We are speaking and saying the truth. And to that extent, at least, we are actually in the moment applying the truth. Right there, right now. Because we're, we're, we're actually engaging ourselves. We're actively, willingly engaging in, in what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to affirm. All that happens at once. One step. Pray this. Praying shapes Believing. What we pray forms our thinking, it connects the dots for us, it gets us affirming the truth. But these prayers, as I have been implying, don't just shape our intellect. What we pray also shapes our emotions. There's huge emotional content, if you're paying attention to it, in those prayers. If we choose to enter in, not blindly, but humbly. And it forms our very bodies to no small extent because we pray with our bodies. We use our bodies to pray. Praying trains our bodies as instruments of righteousness and and goodness and truth. And I could actually camp there all the rest of the day. We don't don't have time to talk about that, but how praying actually is the use of our, our body. Praying shapes our believing. Praying these formulated prayers 
trains us how to think, how to see things, how to feel. We are affirming things that are true. And it teaches us how to pray. We learn to pray better on our own in what we could call extemporaneous prayer or free prayer by praying these other formulated prayers. Praying shapes believing. The church has a, a Latin phrase for this. It's called, and it's lex orandi, lex credendi. Lex orandi, lex credendi, which means the rule of, belie- of praying is the rule of believing. Or the law of praying is the law of, 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 of believing. Or you could say prayer leads to belief, or liturgy leads to liturgy, or simply praying shapes believing. Now, of course, long before there was a Latin phrase for this, and this is where I'm, I am coming to a point about the Psalms and all of this, long before there was a Latin phrase, the Bible exemplified this, because it is the Holy Inspired Word of God. When the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to, have, to teach them to pray, he said, when you pray, say, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. He didn't say, okay, you want me to teach you to pray? Sit down, take out your laptops. Point one, the relational nature of prayer. Point A, God is our Heavenly Father. Point two, A, B, we should uh, reverence God's name. Keep it holy. No. When they asked him to teach them to pray, he said... When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And long before then, the Son of God himself, working in the, power, in the will of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired David to write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so you'll not be surprised to know that that, that much of the liturgy of the Book of Common Prayer consists of quotes from the Psalms. The Psalms are for praying. Pray them. Let them shape your thinking and your trusting. Yes, of course, by, by reading and studying as well, indeed, but especially by actually praying them. And they will take you to a, 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 from where you are now and lead you to a better place. Did you know that there are a lot more prayers of lamentate, uh, psalms of lamentation than there are psalms of, of, of praise? God is aware of where you are. But if you see those, those prayers, they, they start in one place, but they end in a very different place. God leads us through them. Life is hard. Let the psalms teach you how to cry out to God. Listen, for example, just listen to some of these opening verses from prayers from the psalms. Why have you forsaken me? Or, have mercy on me, O God. Or, O God, save me by your name. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. And then they will take us to a place of trust and being able to to put our confidence in Him. But there are good... There are many good psalms, obviously, including the one we're studying today, that start in a good place. Life is good. Shout to God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And of course, I I need to mention, just as an aside, praying 
also includes praying as meditation. Thomas Merton said that when we meditate on the prayers, Christ is praying in us. And I want to come back to that in a minute. The Psalms are for praying, better yet for singing. Why singing? What's the, what's the deal with adding music? Some people have quoted Augustine as saying, uh, he who sings prays twice. Uh, that's not actually what he said. There's no record that he actually said anything like that. Uh, but what he did say, speaking from the Psalms, is this. For he that sings praise, not only praises, but praises with gladness. He that sings praises, not only sings, but also loves him of whom he sings. Gladness. Love. Emotions are, are so important so very important. Unfortunately, most people lead their emo- let their emo- emotions lead them around by the nose. And there's this ridiculous sense today that if I feel something, then I must, I have to act on it in order to be authentic. But the biblical model is, yes, I, I feel this way, that's, that's where I am now, and I may be in this emotional state for a long time, but, but what's good and right and true and beautiful and how can, I, how can I feel according to that? How can I realize, realign my feelings to get in line with that? Yes, I, I hurt now, but... And the truth then leads us to a better place, to hope. Yes, I'm angry now, but... And the truth leads us to trust and forgiveness and love. Yes, my hormones are leading me in this particular direction, but and that's how we see that that way is not true life, not, not goodness. It's not the way of God, and I will choose to trust God and see His goodness. And what role does music play in all this? Well, good music makes us feel rightly. Good music helps us feel in the right sort of, of way. Just as the soundtrack of a film makes you feel something in keeping with the story, so music makes you feel things in keeping with, well, a story. Which story is it? Which sto- what is the story that you're, you're listening to? A larger story. And what's yours? What is the soundtrack of your story going to be? We sing the Psalms to add the soundtrack of the story we have there to feel gladness about the right things, to feel love for God and His ways, to feel sorrow, godly sorrow, about our bad behavior and so forth. So what style of music do we sing the song in? Well, um, generally, this is a very simplistic way of saying it, with a style that, of mu- music that moves you. you know, I like to chant plain song chant. I can't even get my beloved to, to do that with me. <laughs> she doesn't like it. So you don't, you don't, sing, you don't have to sing something of a, of a tune or of a melody that you don't want. You find music. And I think that's why the church is constantly rewriting music. And I think that's why the Psalms themselves say, write a new song to the Lord. We constantly, because it changes over time, music, and the way it moves us changes over time. So, um, 
Now I need to address some questions, and then we're going to actually practice what I'm preaching here. Um, some of you might be thinking, but, you know, some of those psalms, they talk about the integrity and the uprightness and the righteousness of the person singing those songs. How can I literally pray those, those psalms back to God? And there's others that, that are calling down condemnation and destruction on their enemies. How, can, how, can I, how should I be praying those psalms? Well, um, I can only give a short, the short answer here, which is that the church has always understood itself to be praying the Psalms with Jesus and in Jesus and through Jesus. On our own, we don't have any basis for coming to God at all. Even the most moral person, if they're honest, realizes how completely they've fallen short of a truly moral life. If only our thoughts and past actions were known, I mean, we, nobody would, would dare to pray some of the psalms that are prayed there. So we come to God through Christ, through the life and death and resurrection and the merits of Jesus Christ alone. That's how we come. He can pray those psalms of integrity, and in Him so can we, because that's how we stand before God. We have that integrity in Him. He calls everyone to turn away from their moral failures, and in Psalm 83, he prays that they will. But if they don't, if they do not turn away and they continue to be obstinately opposed and radically enemies of God, then God will bring judgment one day, as, as sure as can be, and we need to will that as well. We dare to come to God and confess with our hopes of, uh, and confess with hopes of forgiveness only in Jesus' name. And I know that that's just basically waving in sort of the direction of an answer. I have not really answered the question, but, but uh, that's all we can, we can say for right now. I'd be happy to discuss it later. Another quick question. Well, a lot of these psalms, they don't seem to be praying at all. They seem to be these uh, declarations. They're just saying things. They're not praying or asking God. Blessed is the man or woman who does not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's how the psalms begin. How, how is that praying? Well, those things, those declarations are also prayers we need to understand. And we need to say them aloud to ourselves. And we need to say them aloud to God. And we need to say them aloud to angels and demons who are lying to us constantly, telling us one thing. The way to oppose the enemy is to speak truth to him, against him. To affirm truth, and that's what we have in the Psalms as well. Speak those things aloud. Psalms are for praying, better yet for singing. So let's do this. We are going to sing uh, uh, Psalm 66, several sections. We'll, we'll, we'll sing a, a part, and then uh, I'll make a few comments. We'll sing another part, uh, and uh, we'll be singing to a, an old tune because we figured that would be the easiest way to do it. Would you please stand?